0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: Hello everyone, Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio. Excited about today's episode because in just a little while we're going to talk with Steve Curtin. Who is the author of delight your customer seven simple ways to raise your customer service from ordinary to extraordinary now whenever i hear that word simple i always have to remind everybody there's a pretty good chance that you will find that the concepts that steve talks about are simple however i must warn you they're not always easy there's a big difference between simple and easy uh, I know that I have a list of questions I want to talk to you about we're going to be talking a little bit about something he calls job function versus job essence and uh without talking to him and getting his answers quite yet uh I'm going to predict that he's going to be talking about operations focused you know function versus maybe something from the essence that has to do with core values and uh, the personality of a company, the culture of a company, which reminds me of, of just, you know, here's what I'd like to talk about today. The difference between a an operations-driven organization and a customer-driven organization. And here's my question. Do the operational standards and policies of an organization have regulations or rules, policies, if you will, that are clear to every employee and that it's clear that the employees are not to deviate from those policies and rules and and uh, stringent guidelines that you put on them. Well, that's a very operationally focused uh, way of thinking. Or do the employees have the freedom to change the operational standards in order to get and take care of their customers and keep their customers happy? So that freedom of being able to do that is known as the, you know, Standard word empowerment, but it's the fundamental difference between an, operation, an operations driven organization and a customer driven or customer focused organization. People who work at the operations focused companies will stand behind lines like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It's, it's, it's just our policy. Um, I don't think I can do that. I'd, I'd have to get a manager involved. Um, you know, policy and rules and regulations. You know, here's the thing we teach our clients to um, help them think more like, uh, help their employees think more like, independently, if you will. Uh, They're willing to, you know, hopefully say yes to a customer because they know they can. They know that if uh, what they're saying yes to doesn't hurt the company, but it helps the company, doesn't hurt the reputation, but helps the reputation, doesn't hurt the relationship, but enhances and helps the relationship with the customer. Well, then they should consider doing it. Especially if it doesn't, if it's not illegal, it's not immoral, it doesn't cost any any money. Why not do it? But the difference between the operational uh, company, which gets the job done, and the customer-focused companies, which, which which typically gets the job done and builds stronger relationships, is night and day. Uh, you've heard me mention this before. I'm going to actually look for the latest and greatest statistics on this. But you know, companies that are customer-focused tend to do better than companies that aren't. And that's just not a broad statement. If you took a look at the uh, top customer service companies that are in the S&P 500, Stock Exchange, and there's a list of those. The American Customer Satisfaction Index comes out with that list every year. And you invest in those companies, and you constantly make sure that those companies are staying at the top of the game. I mean, there's a little bit more strategy to it than that, but it's interesting that uh, all of the studies uh, that I've looked at over the years, at the end of a 10-year cycle of investing like that, you will out the, outperform the S&P 500's index by more than double at a minimum. In some, in some decades, it's much higher, but you know, obviously there's going to be high and lows in the stock market. But uh, And I, by the way, I'm not giving advice in the stock market, so uh, that's my disclaimer. But from everything that I'm reading and the statistics that are coming out, an investment in the companies that are focused on the customer yield better returns than other companies that don't. So with that in mind, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, We're going to talk to Steve Curtin about his book. We're going to talk about the difference between an operations company and a customer-focused company. Uh, And we're going to have fun, as we always do on Amazing Business Radio. So don't go away. We'll be right back. If customer service is the new marketing and content marketing is one of the hottest marketing trends, then it makes sense that your customer service and experience strategy would include a content marketing strategy. Delivering relevant content, not blatant promotional content, is part of the value that you can bring to your customers. You can become an influential voice in your industry, which creates more leads, loyalty, and brand recognition. And that's where PowerPost comes. Comes in. This solution will help you be more organized and efficient in the way you publish and post content to social channels, websites, blogs, email, and more. And the team at PowerPost can provide consultation and services to help your brand evolve into a modern-day marketer. Turn your company into a publishing machine that adds value to your customer's experience. Learn more at www.powerpost.com. Digital. That's www.powerpost.digital.
0: This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you a great interview today, and that's exactly what we're going to have. Steve Curtin is in the house, and he is the author of Delight Your Customers, Seven Simple Ways to Raise Your Customer Service from Ordinary to Extraordinary. It's now in its fifth printing Excellent book. We're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about, oh, all kinds of things related to customer service because this guy knows it uh, based on a 20-year career at Marriott. And he's been working in hotel operations, sales, marketing, training, and development at Marriott. Now he's out on his own uh, speaking and consulting, obviously writing books, writing articles. We met through social media. Uh, I also got to tell you, he lives in Denver, and he's very proud to be married to his wife, have four kids, and a golden doodle, named Nugget. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio, Steve.
0: Wow, well, thanks for having me. That's uh, quite an introduction, Chef. Well,
1: very few people ever tell me about their wife, their four children, and their golden doodle. <laughs> so I just, I said, you know what, I usually don't read introductions, but I'm going to read that last line. That, that was a good one. So, um, hey, I'm excited you're on the show. Um, you obviously, working at Marriott, you lived and breathed. Uh, guest service, and I know how important Bill Marriott feels about the whole service experience and the culture that's built up. So let's just jump right into it. First, give us a quick little uh, take on what Delight Your Customers is about, and then then we'll talk about your definition of customer service, your beliefs, and your philosophies.
0: Yes, well, the book, I mean, you've written several books, and so you understand that they're is a driving force behind the book. And sometimes it's a, a question, a deep question, maybe a rhetorical question that you try to answer. Sometimes it's um, a passion that you have or a drive that you have. It's a message that you want to share. For me, the motivation to write to Light Your Customers was based on an observation that I'd had repeatedly uh, for many years, and I wanted to address it. And the observation, Chep, is this. While employees consistently execute mandatory job functions for which they're paid, they inconsistently demonstrate voluntary customer behaviors, what I refer to as voluntary job essence, uh, for which there is little or no additional cost to their employer.
1: So I want to make sure I understand this. They consistently execute on what they're supposed to do, but then they inconsistently execute... Um, I think, it, for something that you'd like them to do or, or uh, that they don't see that they're supposed to? I mean, I can, I'm a little confused. Give it to me again.
0: Yes. Um, well, you're, you're exactly right. They're very clear on what they are expected to do. Uh, they're very clear on the bullet points associated with their job descriptions. In other words, they're very clear on their job function. Uh, what they were hired to do, uh, what they're trained to do, what they're paid to do. They're very clear on that. What they are less clear about, in my experience as a customer, uh, what they're less clear about is why they're doing what they're doing, how they're doing it, and that's what this book attempts to answer.
1: Okay, so let's put it in hotel terms because I'm sure everybody listening here, has been to a hotel or even a restaurant. But let's say that you're at the hotel restaurant and you're being Mm -hmm. served by a server. And the server comes over and uh, takes your order, brings you your food, checks on you, hands you your check. That's what they're paid to do. But there's more to it than just that.
0: Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Well, yes, they could express genuine interest. Uh, They could do that simply by making eye contact, Mm -hmm. uh, by smiling, by adding energy to their voice. They could convey authentic enthusiasm in the way that they serve you. They can uh, respect and and be discretionary in terms of when they approach the table, and they could exercise judgment in doing that. They can uh, provide you unexpectedly with a pleasant surprise. Uh, in restaurant terms, that's an amuse-bouche, uh, chef's taste, and, and they can delight you in that way. Uh, there's so many little things. I mean, we could go on. There's so many little things they can do to elevate a transactional dining experience um, to one that is more relational, less transactional, more relational. Mm. And the way to do that is by being intentional about interjecting essence amid the various job functions, again, that you were hired to do, that you're trained to do, that you're paid to do.
1: Right. So, you know, Disney has a great philosophy that everybody who comes to work at Disney has three jobs that they're responsible for. Number one is to do the job that they were hired to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what we were just talking about. Number two is to take care of of the guest, make that guest have a great experience. And whenever you can add to that, do it. And that's part two of what you're talking about. Now, the third part Disney throws in there is keep the part clean. If you see a piece of paper, pick it up and throw it away. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do for the company. <laughs> so, Correct. but numbers one and two is what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, one and two, and actually I unfold number three into my first uh, exceptional service behavior, which is to express genuine interest. That might look like eye contact. It might look like energy in your voice. It may look like smiling. But it's also displaying a sense of urgency. It's also paying attention to detail. And that's what Disney's doing by picking up every scrap of trash in the park. They're paying attention to detail, and then with a sense of urgency, they're scooping that before you and I, uh, as uh, customers, before we can see it.
1: Right. That's ideal. You know, Make it happen before it happens. Uh, no doubt. So um, you have a definition of customer service. I do. I do. And and,
0: and (laughs) well, what's funny, what's funny about that is you and I were talking about the book and uh, it was published in the summer of 2013 in June. And later that summer, I received a, uh, an email from a blogger and she had asked me for my definition of customer service. And certainly everyone who's in the business, you have a definition. and Chip Bell has a definition. Uh, Other uh, professionals have definitions about customer service. And they're all valid. But I thought I need to come up with something that is is unique and sort of encapsulates my service focus. And I had written 55,000 words on the topic, but I I hadn't ever addressed, um, maybe sadly, I, (laughs) I had never addressed the definition of customer service. But I gave it some thought, Chip. And the definition that I came up with after a couple days of back and forth is this. Customer service is a voluntary act that demonstrates a genuine desire to satisfy, if not delight, a customer.
1: I like it. Say it again.
0: Customer service is a voluntary act that demonstrates a genuine desire to satisfy, if not delight, a customer.
1: Of it, and that's good. Um, it, it's, you know, uh, and you call it voluntary, but at the same time, I'm going to say no. If we hire people, it's not voluntary; it's mandatory. You just have to be willing to do it, um, because some people don't have the attitude or the personality to be in a position where they want to be serving others. Uh, but I like that. I think that's a good definition of somebody who's on the front line. Um uh, well, I used
0: def- to say. Pardon me, Shep, I used to say optional, mm-hmm. and, and I agree with you that it's not optional, and I've used that term with operators, with general managers who've come across the conference room table and told me, look, it's not optional. Around here it's mandatory. But the reality is it's voluntary in the sense that you can request it, but you can't mandate it. You can't force somebody to care. You can't force somebody to express genuine interest. Otherwise, it's not genuine. You can't force somebody to smile. You can't force them to make eye contact. I mean, that'd be creepy, right? But um, I think you're, you're you willing. You know,
1: things. you're hiring people that are willing to do this. Now, I think we're splitting hairs here, but I believe that I'm not going to hire somebody uh, and and tell them after I've brought them in and I've done the you know behavioral style testing and you know put them through multiple interviews. Say, well, now right. you're going to work here. And by the way, uh, being nice to people, that that's an option. <laughs> it's not an option. Yeah, correct. That's,
0: now that's why I changed the word from optional to voluntary. Or
1: even voluntary. It's, it's not. Uh, it, it's, it's like, hey, what's voluntary is that you walked in here and decided to apply for this job. That you didn't have to do. But now that you're here, this is the way we do things. We do them with a smile. We do put on our best game face. If we're having a lousy day, we genuinely attempt to let the customer feel great regardless of how we're feeling. Um, and I don't know if that's – I wouldn't call that faking it. I would call that, hey, we know what our job is. Um, again, I'm not going to argue with you. I've never gotten in an argument with anybody on this show. But, um, <laughs> but I do believe that um, nobody in my organization would feel that being nice or delivering a good level of service to a customer from the standpoint of a personality standpoint is mm-hmm. – not a mandatory thing here because we practice what we preach. And the the mandatory thing, I guess, is you have the option to come into work here or not. Matter of fact, my latest book, which is not out yet, uh, but it is Mm -hmm. finally about finished, the editing mode, is called Be Amazing or Go Home. And it's your choice. That's where the option is.
0: Correct. Yeah, and I think we're both saying the same thing uh, with respect to choice. Um, you know, tasks, we talk about job function, that's determined by your job role. They're the bullet mm-hmm. points that make up your job description. The behaviors that you choose to exhibit are determined by you, and and that's a choice. You know, at Nordstrom, when I go into Nordstrom and they hand me my merchandise, as you know, um, they have a reputation for this. They walk around the counter and they, they hand you that. Um, that is... A, a voluntary gesture on behalf of the service provider. Is it? I, I think that's what they train them to do. I that's think, correct. They, but they still have to choose to do it. I mean, people are trained to make eye contact, they're trained to use names, they're trained to smile. My point, Shep, is that they still have to choose to do it.
1: Right. They have to, you know what, and I think you use the word. Uh, purpose, purposeful earlier in our conversation. Right. And I think that's what it is, is you choose to be purposeful about the way you treat others and exactly. deliver that service. So,
0: Intentional, mm-hmm. deliberate, and you have to stay on your game, all of us. I mean, I worked in the field for 20 years, and there were days that you could get, admittedly, there were days that I was caught up, as Stephen Covey used to say, in the thick of thin things. And I would neglect, unwittingly, but I would neglect opportunities to serve. Maybe an external customer, a paying guest. It may be an internal customer, a colleague. Right. And so you have to be on your game. You have to be intentional. You have to be deliberate. And I think it's fair to say you have to refocus yourself, if not every day, but at different points throughout the day, uh, lest you uh, deliver service, you know, lower than your own personal standards.
1: Right. So purposeful uh, and being alert. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Steve Curtin, the author of the book, Delight Your Customers, available at Amazon.com. And do you have a website? I do. Of course you do. (laughs) What is
0: it? It's my name, Steve Steve Curtin. C-U-R-T-I-N.
1: C-U-R-T-I-N, SteveCurtin.com. Uh, Book's great. You know, a lot of practical information from a guy that's in the trenches, that's done it. Uh, 20 years with Marriott. That's impressive. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more. All about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening and don't forget to always be amazing.
0: This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: We're back talking with Steve Curtin author of delight your customers and steve um i love the idea of you know how you and i talk about purposeful and voluntary and and those types of of words and what we're, we're on the same page we're in alignment we're just using it we're using different words to um basically uh explain what it is we're trying to get across but here's an interesting spin that you have you uh believe that customer service generally speaking is not up to par is that right
0: uh, correct, and, and I'm hardly going out on a limb.
1: Okay, prove it to me, because I have a different spin on it. I believe that a lot of of the customers don't think it's up to par, uh, but I have a theory that companies are trying better than ever, harder than ever, and and actually improving. Is it? It just may not be enough. So maybe they aren't up to par, but they're they're striving to do so. But but I'd love to hear your spin on it.
0: Well i use a retail example because I do uh, uh, the bulk of the uh, grocery shopping in our household. And as you mentioned, I, I have a, a large family. So I'm at the grocery store um, more often than most. And what I've noticed in a retail setting, I'm going to pick on supermarkets, but it could be any retail setting. It could be a big box store, department store. What I've noticed is that when I walk past employees of these various Uh, retail stores. By and large, they walk past me without acknowledging me. In other words, there's no eye contact. There is no uh, certainly no smile. Um, There's no acknowledgement of any kind. What I would describe it as is indifference. In other words, the employees of the, uh, the retail store are indifferent toward my presence. Now, at the supermarket, what they'll do is they'll walk past me Typically, they'll walk past me indifferently, and they'll gather up the shopping carts in the parking lot, and they'll bring them inside. Or they'll walk past me indifferently, and they'll stock merchandise, or they'll face merchandise. They'll pull merchandise forward on the shelves. Or they'll walk past me with a broom, and maybe they're uh, sweeping the store. But my my point is that I'm treated indifferently. And then when I go to the checkout counter, and I uh, have my groceries rung up, I'll get questions like uh paper or plastic, or I'll get questions like, did you check your eggs? Um I will get standard typical uh questions. Sometimes I'll get the questions twice. They won't realize
1: I hate when that um, happens. That asked the I just told you that.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But and they look sometimes at me like they, oh and then they get mad at me.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. So it just becomes it just becomes incredibly transactional. So So my point in saying that is that uh, all of these employees are doing the things that they were hired to do, that they're trained to do, that they're paid to do. And in fact, from my own work experience, if I would ever push back on someone who I felt was just going through the motions and doing their, their job, but not doing anything above and beyond what they were expected to do, I would sometimes hear this remark. I call it the unenlightened employee lament. And here's the remark. Maybe you've heard it, too. But, Steve, I do everything I'm supposed to do. Right. And you're right. They do everything they were hired to do. They do everything they're trained to do. They, they conform to the bullet points associated with the job description. They, in other words, they possess adequate job knowledge, and they demonstrate sufficient job skill, but then that's it. And they think that that's the totality of their job role, but it's not. It's only one dimension of their job, which is job function. The other dimension of their job, which I like to say is voluntary, it's elective, it's discretionary, and most employees are ignorant of it. It doesn't mean they're stupid. It just means they lack information about this half of their job knowledge. And the reason they lack this information, Chef, is because their immediate supervisor lacks this information. Right. And it's this dimension of their role, which is job essence. It's their highest priority at work. It might be to inspire confidence. It might be to delight customers. It might be to create a promoter. But it's definitely, it has nothing to do with bringing in carts or stocking shelves or sweeping the floor.
1: Right. You know, I could tell you're passionate about this. So a company like, and I'm, you know, here we go. I'm going to use the cliche, the company Zappos.com, Tony Shea. The guy's a brilliant guy, and I love Zappos. I know I keep using them, and I know people listen to me week after week. I'm using Mm -hmm. some of the same companies. But, hey, if you know who the company is, let's go with it. I
0: use Nordstrom.
1: Yeah, Nordstrom, Zappos, Apple. Disney. Yeah, Disney, uh, all of those. Um, Marriott, how's that? Because I think Marriott's one of the top performers out there, too. As do I. Um, So... uh, Zappos will hire you if you fall in alignment with the ten core values, and some of those values are about the way the customer is treated. They will fire you if you are out of alignment and This is the interesting thing you don 't have to know how to sell shoes they 'll teach you everything you know about to know about shoes if you 're going to work there and be in customer service or marketing or whatever they don 't even care if you like shoes as long as you conform to the and then maybe i 'm exaggerating there but the, the idea behind being able to uh, flip through screens and read the information about a shoe is not nearly as important as the 10 core values. And when you hire somebody to do a specific job function or a skill, uh, then, then the next step is do they have the values? Do they have the personality? Do they, are they willing to fit into the culture uh, that, that the company has created? And if so, well, great. They're, they're probably a good hire. Uh, Years ago, not that many years ago, um, I worked for an organization that was willing to shut down part of their uh, their building because they couldn 't staff enough good people and there was not so much a shortage of good people there was shortage there was not a shortage of skilled people there was a shortage of people that their personalities fit with this uh, way of doing business, which was totally customer focused and they said we 'd rather shut down part of our organization and to have one or two people that don't belong in our organization potentially erode everything we've worked for, for one or two or even a number of customers if the reputation got out. I think that's putting your money where your mouth is. It's pretty impressive. Right.
0: Yeah, that's an unusual level of commitment, to be sure. So, uh,
1: you know, and you you know, you, everybody knows my take on customer services. Companies try hard. I just don't know if they're exceeding or meeting the expectations that the customers have. They're um they look at what great service is i mean c- customers know what great service is you know let's, let's talk about marriott okay mm-hmm. uh marriott owns uh the ritz carlton i mean they're is that right they i think yes. they yes so the ritz carlton is what are they known for luxury quality uh, and, by the way, there's another cliche in the world of customer service companies, <laughs> the Ritz. And, and, by the way, that's one cliche I want to be a part of. If, if, if somebody would use my name in the same sentence as the Ritz-Carlton, the Four Seasons, the, you know, uh, the, these are the top uh, you know, well-known brands in the hospitality industry. But here's the thing. A customer or a guest in your hotel leaves and then goes and stays at another hotel that may not be quite as good. Guess what they're being compared to? They're being compared to the last time they stayed at a great hotel, like a Marriott. But then they go to a clothing store. Guess who they compare that experience to? The great people at Marriott. So you know, even if you're in the hotel business, uh, your customer is going to go out and and you're going to be compared to people that aren't even in your industry anymore, because. They just want great service. It's about people. They figured it out. They the customer.
0: Yes, that, that's correct. And then you have chains like Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. Who's able to operationalize politeness. And then you have that same, to your point, that same expectation of service providers, whether you're at the dry cleaner or the bank or a competing quick service restaurant.
1: So I believe if every one of us listening has a goal, it's this. Let's be the company that, is, that creates the benchmark for which others are compared to. That, did I say that right? I think I did. So Yeah, you sounded
0: eloquent. Yeah. <laughs> get, the, get the new recording. I'm usually not that <laughs>
1: eloquent. Uh, that's a good <laughs> word. <laughs> All right, we're running out of time, and I always like to wrap up the interview with a final question. I call it the one thing question, and that one thing is, what do you want people to know or remember about today's interview? Or is there something you haven't talked about yet that you say, gosh, they absolutely have to remember this when we're <clears throat> finished today? What would that be?
0: Well, the one thing we haven't talked about, which is another cornerstone of the book, is that there, there is a way to normalize or operationalize exceptional customer service so that it occurs reliably over time by design rather than sort of inconsistently or intermittently here and there by chance. And that is to incorporate and to be intentional, to be deliberate, to be purposeful about incorporating job essence into job function so that it happens reliably over time. And that can be How do you do that?
1: Do you, is it well, through training? Is it through hiring? What is your what is the secret sauce on that one?
0: Well, and you know what, all of the above. So there's no one correct answer. You've brought up predictive software and and the the pains that you go to during the uh, selection process to ensure that you have the right candidates. That's, of course, a huge part of it. You mentioned training. That's a huge part of it. Earlier, I referenced Nordstrom and coming around the counter, and that's that is a that's actually a great example of incorporating expressing genuine interest in the customer by coming around the counter with the merchandise it still has to be executed uh, by the employee but then there's some other examples uh, like there's a take and bake pizza uh, chain in my area and every time you go into the restaurant uh, they say welcome to papa murphy's and um there's a little chime on their door that rings and so they know that a customer's entered and they all say, welcome to Papa Murphy's. The problem is, is that on a busy Friday night, you might have half dozen people building pizzas on the other side of the counter and only half of them look up and the other half are looking down at their pizza. So it becomes a little bit, um, mechanized and a little less sincere. I think over time, I appreciate what they were trying to do. In terms of incorporating express genuine interest into the process of greeting the customer, but it sort of falls—it falls flat.
1: Yep, yep. So job function and job essence. Uh, People are hired for the function, but the essence is what takes them uh, to the relational level. And I think you even use that word transactional versus relational earlier in their conversation, but that's what we're Correct. trying to do. Uh, when I say we want to engage and build a relationship with a customer, it's not that we're looking to, you know, hey, what are you doing Friday night? You want to go out? No. Uh, we're trying to create a relationship of uh, where they get to, you know, the old saying, people want to be around people they know, like, and trust. I want them to know, like, and trust when us as people and us as an organization. And if a customer gets everything that you have shared with us every single time they do business, well, that trust rises, and with trust comes confidence, which comes loyalty, repeat business, people talking about us in a great way, bringing us new business. It's a beautiful thing.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And, and do I have time to make one more point, Chef? Absolutely. Uh, you made the comment that we hire for job function. I also want to make the point and be very clear. We hire for job essence, and you've brought that up. I've brought that up. In fact, if there's one trait, if there's one characteristic that I would hire for, in particular, for a customer-facing position, it would be it would be this attribute: initiative. In other words, I would ask questions about the job candidate's um, prior um, ability to demonstrate initiative in his or her previous job role or roles, and that would give me an indication as to whether or not they would demonstrate initiative in their current job. Because, in my opinion, without initiative, and a genuine willingness, even a desire, to expend discretionary effort in the moment of choice to benefit a customer, whether that's a a paying customer or a teammate, an internal customer. Um, Without initiative, there is no exceptional customer service. Oh,
1: well said. Initiative, very important. We've been talking with Steve Curtin. He is the author of seven... I'm sorry delight your customers seven well he's the author of seven, wish, simple ways seven to, habits
0: was my book right yeah he's the
1: author of seven habits of highly no he's not that's Stephen covey this is steve curtain the author of delight your customers seven habits no no seven simple ways to raise your customer service from ordinary to extraordinary and we've heard a few of those ways and i love the concepts that you know sure we had a little fun jabbing about voluntary versus mandatory or what's expected but at the end of the day there's There's a job function there's a job essence you must hire for both Uh, we want to focus on not a transaction I actually want to say let's not even use the word transaction let's call it an interaction because an interaction to me is like it's ongoing interactions and that becomes more relational Uh, we talked about boy so many good things about hiring and training and the importance of that Steve this is why we call this amazing business radio it's been an amazing interview and I want to thank you for being on the
0: show Thank you very much, Chef. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and your listeners.
1: Well, all of our listeners that are here, thank you very much for tuning in. And as I always like to end every show, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.